are Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media, and we're back after a short summer break. And a lot has happened in cannabis during those weeks. So let's get right to it. Federal action on cannabis reform could be imminent. Marijuana Moment reports that sources close to the publication are saying legislation to federally legalize the plant could be filed, quote, as early as next week, though the exact timing is still up in the air. There have been dueling cannabis bill battles on Capitol Hill over the last two years, with neither making it further than the House of Representatives. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has stalled on introducing a bill to lead said efforts, but apparently we could see that change soon. And it's interesting timing as six U.S. senators have sent a letter to President Joe Biden urging him to deschedule cannabis and issue pardons to everyone convicted of nonviolent cannabis crimes. Vote Pro Podcast, Phil Adams has more in this week's Washington, D.C. report. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, here with the Weed Talk News, D.C. report. The White House is holding to its position that WNBA star Brittany Griner has been wrongfully detained in Russia. Greiner was arrested at a Moscow airport last March and charged with possession of cannabis vape cartridges. Last week, the athlete pleaded guilty to the charge, which carries a possible 10-year sentence. The statement by the White House puts to rest the question of whether her guilty plea would affect the State Department's previous designation of Greiner as a wrongfully detained American national. At a White House briefing, Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre was adamant that the U.S. has not changed its position. A lawsuit aimed at eliminating firearms restrictions for medical cannabis patients has been put on hold in the wake of the Supreme Court's recent Second Amendment ruling. Last April, Florida state officials sued the Justice Department over its policy of making state legal cannabis patients ineligible for gun ownership. As it stands, that policy forces people who qualify for medical marijuana programs to choose between their firearms and their medical cannabis treatments. In light of last month's landmark ruling expanding individual gun rights, the DOJ has requested more time to respond to the suit. The plaintiffs have agreed and have announced their intention to file an amended complaint. D.C. lawmakers made a legislative end run around a ban on adult use sales imposed by Congress. In a move aimed at circumventing the so-called Harris Rider, the D.C. City Council voted to allow citizens to self-certify as medical cannabis patients without requiring a doctor's recommendation. The rider named for its author, Maryland Representative Andy Harris, prohibits the district from instituting a legal cannabis market despite DC's legalization of adult use in 2015. The rider was first attached to the House spending bill that same year and has been reinstated every year since then. This new legislation effectively gives all DC residents access to medical cannabis dispensaries in the district. DC Mayor Muriel Bowser has since signed the bill into law. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast.
In other politics, the war in Ukraine has been tragic for that country. Many U.S. companies work with Ukrainian businesses who are still operating in that war-torn area. One is the CEO of SEO Profi, Viktor Karpenko. Ukraine is a cannabis-friendly country, and the challenges for marketing in the industry have seen his company of 200 employees survive and thrive through this difficult time. Victor is running his company from Florida now with 75% of his workforce still in Ukraine. PCM founder Jimmy Young talked with Victor last week about his escape from his homeland. Uh, I'm in US uh, since the war uh, started. So I basically was like one day, like uh, I heard like oh, oh, me and my wife woke up in the morning, like I think it was like 5 a.m. when the bombs just hit and you know, the window was uh, um, open and it was like so real, you know, so we packed our clothes and uh, go went out of the town like in 15 or 20 minutes, just took <laughs> the stuff we need, uh, actually, and just went to my parents. And then we like moved uh, from Ukraine because it, it still was possible to do that. Yeah. And then the borders were closed. Yeah. I, I can't imagine living through that in the 21st century, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, you left behind uh, a, a full company, uh, friends, family. Uh, how difficult has this been the last few months? Uh, I mean, like, uh, thank you for my super team like that I have because uh, we uh, we have a lot of like mature team leads that actually run like different departments and uh, we just understand uh, like made coordination so we created a chats where we talk like what's going on do you need any help like HR uh, managers uh, communicate with the people like what they need do they need uh, like apartment or how uh, so we basically knew where everyone was moving uh, were moving around and um, it, it was stressful first two two weeks we didn't know what's was going to be right like uh, and after two weeks we were stable like so we were working like 85 90 percent after two weeks like normal mode you can catch the full interview with victor and jimmy young monday on in the weeds High Times is a well-known weed company around the world. They've been covering the industry since its legacy days, and the publication's name is synonymous with stoner culture. Well, now High Times looks to be elevating its legacy. New public records have revealed a deal made back in April for High Times to purchase its own consumption lounge in West Hollywood. Deborah Borchardt has the details in this week's Green Market Report. I'm Deborah Bortart from the Green Market Report, and this is the business update for We Talk News. This week, we got some earnings reports from a couple of companies. We heard from Organogram, who announced their results for their third quarter. They came in with revenue that was up 90% at $55 million. That was really better than last year's $29 million. It beat the Yahoo Finance average analyst estimate. And it increased over the second quarter's revenue of $43 million. So things seem to be going pretty well for Organogram right now. They're also increasing their market share up in Canada. We also heard from the Valens company. Now, they reported that their second quarter uh, for 2022 was increased by 3.5% to $24 million. Now, that sounds good that they jumped to $24 million for the quarter, but that increase was only 3.5%, and that was a little slow, wasn't great. 
But the real news out of balance is that they reported a very large net loss of $160 million. That's a big number. This company has put up a lot of net losses over several quarters. So at some point, this is gonna catch up to them. They really gotta get that um, under control. And then finally, we reported this week that the former finance director for the Los Angeles-based cannabis company, THC Designs, the gentleman's name is William McKenna, he's suing the company, saying that he was fired for refusing to cook the books. So apparently the owner of THC Designs wanted their finance director to eh, tweak those liability numbers down a bit so that they could get some more money and raise some, some millions. This guy said, no, absolutely not. He refused to do it. He was fired. They got a third party accountant to agree to this. And uh, the finance director also said he thinks that the THC Designs was growing and selling psilocybin mushrooms on the side for cash. So lots of shady stuff alleged in this lawsuit. You can go to Green Marker Report and check out all the dirty details. And that's it for this week. I'm Deborah Borchart from the Green Marker Report for We Talk News. Massachusetts has been enjoying the fruits of legal cannabis for more than five years now. But the city of Boston still only has just a handful of retail shops for adult use. And the newest one is situated in one of the city's most popular and eye-catching neighborhoods, Back Bay. AIR has just opened up shop right on Boylston Street, and the pro-cannabis media team was there for the grand opening. We Talk News producer Tori Chamberlain takes over our Massachusetts report with a closer look inside the store. Hey, thanks, Lena. It was so much fun to be out there with the team in the Back Bay neighborhood today. I mean, it is such an iconic and popular place. So many tourists are always visiting the area. It's not far from Fenway Park. And of course, Newberry and Boylston Street have some of the best shopping in Boston. It's kind of like our Fifth Avenue. So it's a fitting place to plop a dispensary. PCM was there for the official ribbon cutting ceremony with Air CEO, along with several prominent members of the Back Bay community and a good turnout of a crowd too. You'll find the shop right there in the middle of that gorgeous neighborhood but you'll have to keep your eye out as it's below eye level. Dropping a cannabis shop in the middle of this neighborhood is a whole new ball game and we spoke with Ayers CEO about what it took to make it happen. This is four years in the making and it's because of this group that Back Bay allowed us to open on Boylston Street. And you, you heard the councilwoman speak. It's only air that's been able to perform and live up to its commitment versus the other folks who have tried to come to this street. And that makes me super proud. Hearing those words from a politician, knowing the battles you guys have to fight in the trenches just to get accepted, are we making progress in breaking down the stigma and getting to that new normal we all want? Yes, I think every day we move the ball forward just a little bit at a time. But we've seen since I started the business five years ago where 35% of Americans were for the legalization of marijuana. Now those numbers are approaching 68, 70%. So of course we're making progress. But we need to take that progress and turn it into regulatory changes so that the plant, nature's medicine, becomes widely available to the people that need it. 
Be sure to check out Air next time you're strolling through the Back Bay. And meanwhile, Holyoke, Massachusetts, also known for being one of the state's most cannabis-friendly towns with at least three adult-use dispensaries. And it's also the location for another Sensi Night recently. It's an evening of music, networking, and of course, fun. Some 24 vendors showed up at Race Street, live in Holyoke, for the get-together hosted by Sensi Magazine. Sensi is a monthly publication distributed all over the country. Rich Guerra and Jake Boynton are the local reps for the magazine, which celebrates the new normal and the importance of collaboration in the cannabis industry. And what's a good event without music? Bo Sasser and the Sensi All-Stars, along with the Alchemistics, kept the crowd pumped. A crowd eager to get out and see the cannabis industry growing. Cannabis business is thriving all across the state, luckily for us. Um, and uh, the magazine is now uh, getting transported and distributed across the state as well, all the way out west, Great Barrington, Holyoke. Um, and so for us to do our first Cincy night back since the pandemic in Holyoke, out west here, past Worcester, you know, in a new region for me even, feels good. And to have people pack it in and all these companies show up and um, it's just going to help us really be the full Massachusetts market, not just the greater Boston area. It's all good news for us here in the Bay State as retail shops and events only continue to boom. That's it for the Massachusetts Report this week. I'm Tori Chamberlain for Weed Talk News. Bay State Cannabis Report is supported by Holyoke Cannabis, Holyoke's finest cannabis recreational experience. In New York State, cannabis regulators have just approved rules that will set the state up to start accepting cannabis retail applications from people impacted by the war on drugs. And those applications could open up as soon as next month, but other regulations don't seem to be so solid. A review of statute by the New York City Law Department says it's unlawful for agencies to conduct screenings for THC on the heels of that, the NYPD said it would stop drug testing for officers for cannabis. But just hours later, the force reversed course on that decision, saying it will not be changing its policy pending a review and consultation with city officials. Meanwhile, the New York Fire Department sent out its own memo stating there will be a policy change in light of legal analysis by the city but actual rules won't be issued for another two weeks. So for now, the union is urging members to wait until the department announces official changes before considering any legal cannabis use. Lots happening in the Big Apple. So now let's travel next door to New Jersey where Jill Goldsbury checks in from Jersey City and Pennsylvania correspondent Claudia Post attends the Garden State's largest cannabis networking event yet. Hey guys, what's up? It's Jill in New Jersey and welcome back to the New Jersey Report. We took a couple of weeks off and now we're back. Here's what's happening in and around the Garden State. Uh, cannabis workers are looking to unionize, to, to looking to unionize now. Four major cannabis, cannabis companies are negotiating contracts to unionize their workforce in New Jersey to bring a total of six multi-state operators that, are, that will be unionized. Collectively, that means having around 250 new workers under the union umbrella, according to Hugh Giordano, director of the UFC Local 360. The multi-state operators, also known as alternative treatment centers, are in deep talks with the Local 360, um, are Ascend, Acreage, Columbia Care, and GTI. And hopefully this will all be done by, by Labor Day. 
Moving on to other news, Happy Monkey, a New York City cannabis lifestyle brand and events company, recently celebrated 710 Dab Day with a fabulous sold-out rooftop soiree at a still undisclosed location. But we know a great time was had by all. Celebrities like Fat Five Freddy, members of the members and industry all came together for one night. Congratulations to Vlad and the Happy Monkey family for an incredible night in cannabis. If you missed out on this one, we hear there's another one coming up in September. So stay tuned for that. I'm Jill Goldsberry, and that's it for We Talk News, New Jersey. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm right here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for We Talk News. First up, a Pennsylvania bill was approved last week which would protect registered medical cannabis patients from prosecution, always a good thing, under the state's zero tolerance for THC. I don't know, none of this makes sense because they wanna have marijuana, they don't wanna have marijuana, it makes no sense. The state's zero tolerance policy has been used without proof of impairment to penalize drivers who are registered cannabis patients. So even though you have a card, it's state approved, you can still be penalized. But now we've, uh, we're out there protecting uh, our patients, which is a great thing. The governor, who is absolutely pro-cannabis, signed a bill on Monday that includes provisions to protect banks and insurers that work with licensed medical marijuana businesses. That is such a big deal to protect banks and insurers. This legislation is another example of how states are working to provide protections to financial institutions that are willing to work with people in our industry as Congress continues to stall on a federal fix. When will that happen? Who knows? We're, we're just so far behind the rest of the world. Pennsylvania lawmakers and advocates for legal cannabis say uneven access to marijuana has pushed consumers toward widely available Delta 8. Now, as you know, Delta 8 is not really regulated, uh, doesn't get tested the same way that medical marijuana does. And the packaging is obviously not specifically uh, marked with the dosing, et cetera. So that's a problem. A state senator here is now pushing to implement regulations that would keep it available while ensuring its safety. Okay, people, that's a wrap in Pennsylvania. Just wanted to make one more comment, if I may. Uh, yesterday, I was part of a webinar around interstate commerce. Interstate commerce would change the landscape of how the states could trade marijuana between themselves. So that states where you don't have the optimum growing season or soil would be able to avail themselves, for instance, of plants that were grown in Oregon or California or Washington. This will absolutely upend the industry. I say this because I have a background in transportation and logistics, and I think it would be a great idea. Anyway, that's it for me. That's a wrap from Scarlet Express. And I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. For We Talk News, have a fabulous week.
Since our last report, the great state of Minnesota has legalized THC edibles for adults 21 and older, but it might have been a mistake. One key Republican chairman on the legislation, State Senator Jim Abler, says he thought the bill only dealt with Delta 8 regulations, not full spectrum THC. He has since suggested that the legislator should reverse course on its decision, but the governor has already signed the bill into law. So it seems the people of Minnesota shouldn't be punished for a lawmaker not understanding a bill. So hopefully they get to have their edible cake and eat it too. And sticking with the Great North, let's travel over to the Great Lakes State and check in with Michigan Normal Executive Director Rick Thompson. Hello again. This is Rick Thompson with the Michigan Report for Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Cannabis sales rose again in June to an impressive $187.4 million. Now that's up a half of a percent from May's sales total, but it still falls a little bit short of April's record-setting numbers. Traditionally, this is the year's high point for cannabis sales. July was 2021's largest sales month, and in 2020, it was June. Sales of medical marijuana declined 15% in May and dropped another 7.6% last month, while adult-use cannabis sales rose 1.7%. Now, for comparison, adult-use cannabis sales were $166 million last month, and medical sales, $21.5 million. Rollable, smokable cannabis sales continue to dominate the market as flower and trim sales combined for 94 of those $166 million in the adult-use market. Importantly, the Cannabis Regulatory Agency reports pricing per pound of cannabis in Michigan is at an all-time low with per pound pricing at $1,959, the first time that price has sunk below $2,000. It's more than just a 6% decline in price in just one month. That price is down more than 41% in the course of just one year. Notably, the end of June is the end of the first half of the calendar year for 2022, and Michigan's sales total for the first half of the year is $1.03 billion. Now, that number may be barely over $1 billion, but it is up 27% over last year and should put us on track to hit $2 billion in cannabis sales in calendar year 2022. Beloved Detroit media icon Anquanet Q. Sarfaw is launching a new line of THC products to complement her existing line of CBD products for health and beauty. The line of pre-rolls will be released under the Q Culture brand name and are produced in a collaboration with Mitten Bliss, a cannabis processor from Kalkaska. Q was a Fox 2 Detroit Morning News personality until multiple sclerosis forced her into retirement, but her healing journey eventually led to cannabis products, and she now has shed all her MS meds in favor of cannabis-based solutions. You can learn more about Q's amazing journey at a high tea she's holding on July 23rd at the Jam Handy in Detroit, a presentation she performs regularly with the help of cannabis specialty nurse, Kathleen Graham. The tea features food, drinks, and education in a fun and exciting setting. You can learn more about the high tea at the Q Culture website, qulture.com. Well, Loom Cannabis, one of Michigan's largest retailers of cannabis products, has closed four stores in a retail retraction, which was widely expected from market observers. 
The four stores include Bay City, Sheboygan, Southfield, and Tiny Christmas, Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula. Now, the spin doctors over at Loom have characterized this as a realignment, and Loom's president told a television reporter that the company is still committed to deepening its retail footprint in the Midwest's largest cannabis market. To support the realignment, the president stated company is opening their new Ann Arbor store today. The store's Southfield location was open for medical cannabis sales only and will be closed until Southfield adopts an adult use ordinance, which would allow them to sell recreational cannabis at that store. Loom is not well respected in the cannabis community as their predatory practice of litigating any denial of licensure by a municipality and some questionable practices employed when dealing with Michigan's Native American populations. Loom reiterated their goal of having 29 open retail outlets in Michigan before the end of 22, which seems like a harder goal to achieve after closing four locations. Well, in our final story, Detroit is finally getting their licensing act together. Now, they've approved issuing licenses for adult-use cannabis retailers starting August 1st. City Council voted Tuesday to allow the application process to begin for those limited license types, which are those businesses selling cannabis to adult consumers 21 years of age and older. Detroit has already been taking and approving applications for the unlimited license types, including cannabis cultivation, processing, testing, and transport. Tuesday's vote comes as Detroit is defending itself against two different lawsuits claiming the method being used by the city to approve those applications is discriminatory. The application window is only one month long. Under the current proposal, half of the adult use retail licenses issued will be to social equity qualifiers and half will be to the city's existing medical marijuana retailers. Uh, the August application window will determine who wins approval for the 28 adult use retail establishments, 10 micro businesses, and 10 consumption establishment licenses in this round of approvals. Several other periods of applications and approvals are scheduled for the future. It remains to be seen if any of the licenses issued in this process will stick because the courts will absolutely have the final say over the controversial policies being employed in Michigan's largest city. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Also new since our last Weed Talk News report, cannabis regulators in Washington state have decided words matter, particularly when it comes to this still green industry. Officials have adopted a motion to officially implement legislation that replaces the word marijuana with cannabis in state law. During the bill signing ceremony, the governor noted the term marijuana has, quote, a racist history in the United States. So let's send it over to Josh Kincaid for more of what's happening in Washington state. I'm Josh Kincaid from The Talking Hitch with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Cannabis legalization in Washington has not led to an increase in other vice products. The liberalization of cannabis laws in Washington state has not led to an increase in the use of alcohol, cigarettes, and abuse of pharmaceutical pain drugs among adults 18 to 25, according to research published this month in the Journal of Adolescent Health. The study disputes longstanding claims that cannabis is some sort of a gateway substance. In fact, 
in many instances, cannabis regulations is associated with the decreased use of other substances, including many prescription medications. The findings indicate that most critical public health concerns surrounding cannabis legalization and the evolution of legalized cannabis markets may be specific to cannabis use and related consequences. The research notes that the findings add to the evidence that the legalization of non-medical cannabis has not led to a dramatic increase in the use of alcohol, cigarettes, and non-prescribed opioids. Next week, you guys are going to find out more about the Washington State cannabis scene. But with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State cannabis report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Heads reporting for We Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't head them out. The cookies empire continues to grow. This weekend, the popular multi-state brand will open its very first location in Missouri, specifically St. Louis. It's in partnership with 315 Primo Cannabis, a Missouri-based medical cannabis company. And while medical patients rave over the growing number of options, efforts to get adult-use cannabis on this November's ballot are increasing as well. Brandon Jones has more in this week's Missouri Report. Hey, everybody. It's Brandon Jones again from Distribution Maven with Missouri Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. And yeah, it's pretty exciting that Cookies is actually getting their location open in St. Louis this next week. And where it is, Werner himself is actually on the first week of August check out the location and hang out with some Missouri uh, locals. So we're pretty excited to go out there. I'm pretty sure I'm going to make the little three hour drive to go out and see, hang out with Burner and check out the new location. So as everybody knows, 710 just happened, you know, big, probably the second biggest holiday here in the cannabis world. Uh, here in Kansas City, it's actually been fun to see it kind of normalized. So on 7-9, there was an event that actually was held by Illicit at a bar here in West Bottoms that actually allowed alcohol to be served and at midnight, they had a release of a couple of new of their concentrates. So it was a pretty cool party. Uh, lots of uh, people out there in the industry, uh, indoor, outdoor. There was DJs both inside and outside. Had some go-go dancers, lots of just cool ambiance and a lot of cool people. Then the next day, uh, Relief Resources at their uh, location, dispensary here in Kansas City, actually had live music, live band, were handing out umbrellas because it was hot to keep people out of the sun. And then followed that, I went to Shady Phrase Farms which is an awesome little uh, local spot that allows consumption on the farm where they've got goats and pigs. And it was just a kind of more of a relaxed uh, setting, got hammocks hanging out everywhere, little, uh, just a little bit more relaxed uh, area to consume and enjoy for, uh, for 710. And another big thing that happened uh, since I've been gone talking about concentrates, uh, two people here in the cannabis world in Missouri that started through social media and one also through radio actually have been white labeled one Artisans of Dank group was a big uh, Facebook group uh, that started out for my good buddies. Uh, and they've actually been uh, white labeled by Coco Labs here and that their concentrates are out. And I think almost 12 dispensaries now. And then Waxy Brown, also known as Daniel Jones, who has a radio show in Rolla, Missouri, got his put out by Sundro Cannabis. So both their concentrates are going to be put out by actual labs and dispensaries here and pretty excited. Another big brand that's bringing uh, their concentrate and their uh, cartridges here is 40 Tons. Uh, my personal favorite uh, MSO for social equity, just actual brand recognition. And they actually do a lot of hiring fairs to get people that were uh, incarcerated for cannabis crimes, jobs in the industry. So I would really check out those three groups. Uh, 40 Tons uh, hooked up with Good Day Farms, Artisan of Dank, uh, again with Coco Labs, and Daniel Jones and Waxy Brown, aka Waxy Brown with Sundro Cannabis, all here in Missouri. So things are happening quick and fast, and we really do hope recreational gets put on the ballot and gets passed here soon. 
So again, I'm Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven with the Missouri Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Great, great to be back, guys. Have a good week. And finally, here's a law you may have to chew on for a while. If you're planning to take a trip to vacation land this summer, take a little extra change with you. The state of Maine taxes medical cannabis at 5.5%, but THC edibles at 8%. And the reason is because edibles in Maine are subjected to a meal tax, the same way you'd be taxed for dinner. You can expect that tax to tick up when purchasing your favorite infused goodie. So enjoy the views in Maine, but mind your wallet if you're planning to medicate. And that's it for Weed Talk News this week. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media. And remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it wisely. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.